everybody, and welcome to episode 42 of the Cinefessions podcast. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Brandon Chowan, and joining me tonight, we have Ash Collins and Mark Nadu. Ash, how are things? Things are going. Excellent. And how about you, Mark? I know you said you're a little bit under the weather. Um, hopefully, uh, you'll start to feel better soon. Other than that, how uh, how are things going? Oh, good. I'm just going to get rid of all these porn pop-ups on my computer. <laughs> Those <laughs> damn pop-ups. Yeah, I just... <laughs> Okay, I think I'm good. Excellent. Ready ready to podcast now. That's good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it feels like forever since we talked. And really, it's been like three weeks, I guess. Yeah. Happy 2016. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's what it feels like. Because normally we're talking every week. But yeah, I was on a cruise and then my wife's car died. And so an unplanned absence that week, unfortunately, last week, unfortunately, but so, uh, without any bullshit, let's just, uh, let's just jump into it. Ash, have you watched, read, played, done anything media related that's worth talking about in these past few weeks? Uh, Daredevil. Binged okay. All of Daredevil season two. Um, yeah. Are you planning on right now? Written review for that one? Yeah, I am. So I won't get into it too much. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I think they, it was kind of a little bit of a letdown, but not, not necessarily in a bad way. Like, like, uh, Matt, Matt's character feels a little too cliched and the supporting cast actually does, seems to do more than he does, okay. uh, type of thing. But, uh, uh other than that, it, anyway, it was still good. It's still definitely worth watching. I'm not disparaging that at all. Mm-hmm. I just think it was not as strong a, an outing as this one was. Okay. I know you love the first season, which you can find that review on the website as well. So, <laughs> yes. Um, but then, uh, I got through all my Star Trek. Um, I watched Blade Runner, the theatrical cut, which I hadn't seen in, uh, 15 to 20 years. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. It's been a while. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I've only, I only usually watch the director's cut or the or final cut when that came out. Um, mainly cause I, uh, I don't like Harrison Ford's voiceovers in it, but I still mm. like the theatrical cut. I mean, it, it, the, they, each one has their different things to it. And it, him having having him explain it a little bit helps to watch the other versions of the film. But his voiceovers are so terrible in the theatrical cut for the dub overs. It's just like uh, but uh, I need to watch. I have like the Blu-ray that has like the f- whatever five different versions or whatever the ridiculous amount of different versions there are. And uh, yeah. I think I've only seen one cut, and I want to say it was a director's cut. But mm-hmm. I need to check out the other ones. I'm really interested in checking them out. Yeah, the theatrical cut is uh, what was up on Netflix. Um, okay. Yeah, so that was the that was I've got the final cut on DVD, I think. Gotcha. So. Yeah, that's the I think that's the one I watched was the final cut. Interesting. Anything else? Um, not really. Yeah, <laughs> that was pretty much it. It's been a lot of work and yeah, and vet visits and all sorts of fun stuff. So yeah, it's just been that that way these past few weeks. It seems like so. Yeah. All right. What about you, Mark? Uh, since we last spoke, yeah, I went through a bit of a movie tear, and okay. uh, I cleaned off a lot off my Netflix queue uh, <laughs> since I spent the last ten days in Winnipeg uh, visiting family and friends and stuff like that. Mm. But uh, <laughs> of course, smart me, I book a trip, not realizing that my parents are actually out of town for most of that trip. <laughs> so I just hosted myself a lot, <laughs> which is nice. Yeah, uh, so like nobody was challenging me for the box of brownies that they had put in the freezer <laughs> and things like that. 
So that that was pretty sweet. Um, as for what I saw, I can't recall last time what we actually last spoke about. No. Um, so I'm gonna go quickly over the stuff that I liked yeah. um, and disliked here. Um, movies I hadn't seen before. I watched Unfinished Business on Netflix. Okay. That's the one with um, with Vince Vaughn, and um, you know he's a business uh, man, goes on his own overseas, handshake deal, doesn't go through, hijinks ensues. Uh, it sucked. Um, <laughs> Eddie oh, the that Eagle. has um. Yeah, the, the, his brother. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, not worth it. Uh, you know, Netflix t- gave it one star for me, so yeah. of course I must check it out because it can be that bad. It was some decent nudity though. Uh, okay. If you're a fan of breasts, uh, there's some nice pairs in there. <laughs> um, so I would suggest a high def uh, stream if that's what you're looking for. Um, uh, top critics, us. That's what we are. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I, I love I, I love my studies. Um, I saw Eddie the Eagle in theaters, which I really dug. Oh uh, really? Okay. Yeah, that's the one about uh, Eddie Edwards. He's the uh, UK. He's the first UK. Um, is it high? Not high jumper, but uh, like a ski jumper. Okay. Uh, and he uh, went through trials and tribulations to get accepted and went to the eighty-eight Olympics. Um, that surprisingly was really good with uh, Hugh Jackman and Taron Egerton, which he was the lead in uh, Kingsman: The Secret Service. Mm. He plays the lead in uh, Eddie the Eagle. Um, the only reason why I watched that is because I was trying to do a double feature, and that's the only one that fit into my screening times. Oh, okay. And I was pleasantly surprised because I don't usually see uh, G-rated films yeah. in the theaters, <laughs> and it was actually pretty good. I'm glad um, to hear that because it's um it looks so corny the the way they've marketed it it just looks it, so corny and uh, I wasn't sure but you know it's something I would be interested in I think if I watched it on Blu-ray it was actually quite funny okay you know awesome. it's in the same vein as Cool Runnings oh and they actually cool made because you know because that they also made a, a reference to it because <laughs> they uh, debuted I guess or debuted they were in the 80 Olympics as well oh, okay uh, so yeah so it, it's it's um. I guess it's a biography. I don't know how serious it is, but it, it was yeah. fun. It was a fun film to watch. It's a family yeah. film. You can take the whole family to it and everybody would get something out of it, you know? Right. Um, I also saw Triple Nine, which to me, your generic crime drama is like a live action Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Uh, you know, I enjoyed that one. Um, I saw Zootopia with my niece and nephew. Mm. Um it's a race relations film, but instead of, uh, you know, uh, ethnicities, it's, mm-hmm. you know, prey versus predators. Okay. You know, you know whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, the animation was good. The story is a bit hokey. You know, the, yeah. the message is whatever you get out of the message, whatever. <laughs> um, movie I was kind of disappointed with, which I had on my Netflix queue, was God's Pocket with oh. uh, John Turturro and with uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. I think it's one of his last films that he did. Mm-hmm. Depressing movie. Oh mm. man, it, it was just it was bleak and nobody smiles and <laughs> it, it's it's like uh, you, you take uh, one of the poor uh, neighborhoods of Boston and it's set into that type of you know uh, social climate. Okay. And yeah, um, you know, Philip Seymour Hoffman is one of my favorite actors, and I'm, I'm, it's still kind of shocking to see him, you know, uh, in something I hadn't seen yet. Yeah. You know, um, oh, which oh, man, talk about a mind fuck. So I'm at the um, I'm at the screening for uh, Eddie the Eagle, mm-hmm. and there's a movie coming out about drones 
Uh, it's got, I think, Helen Mirren's in it. And uh, I can't remember who the who else is in, except for uh, Alan Rickman. Oh, okay. He's, he's in it. And I kind of caught my breath a bit when mm. I saw him because I'm like, oh, he's like he's no longer with us, you know? Right, right. So to see him with it coming out in the movie that's going to be in theaters soon, I was kind of mm. like, ah, you know, like it just, it just struck me, you know, like right. he's on screen right now. I hadn't seen him yet in this film and he's no longer with us. So that's, you know, it just kind of got a bit of reaction out of that. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, again, going fast through movies here. I don't want to waste too much time. I no, uh, fine. Movies to, to recommend on Netflix. I enjoyed Tiger House. Another home invasion style film, not my favorite, not bad. Uh, Mr. Jones, which cool idea, hated the ending. Mm. Um, there's another one, White God, and you might have seen the trailer for this about all the dogs revolting oh. against their masters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a foreign film. I watched it. I liked it. Thought it was maybe a little too long. Okay. Now the the last maybe quarter of the film. Mm-hmm. That's where all the action is. Oh, okay. And, and it builds to a crescendo. Now, is this and like then, a thriller? Or? I, I would say it's more of a drama. Okay. It's more of a drama. I wouldn't say it's a thriller. It's not like Man Needs Dog or Man's Best Friend or something like okay. that. Okay. Um, but it, it, it's more, I would say it's more of a drama about a girl and her dog. And this dog goes through various forms of abuse through various owners because the dog gets... Uh, gets uh pretty long story short girl <laughs> lives with her mom parents are separated mom goes on a trip dad has to take care of her dad didn't know that girl had a dog that dad doesn't like the dog dad sends the dog away dog goes through trials and tribulations to get back to the girl <laughs> through all the abuse he goes through then the tides turn and it's the dogs against the humans it's great <laughs> i don't know how the director was able to direct all these animals Okay, but yeah. I don't know if it's CGI or not. I only, I highly doubt it. Yeah, but it it was damn cool to see. Very cool. I've heard um, a lot of good things about it. I definitely need to check it out. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Those don't there. like subtitles. You're not gonna like it because mm-hmm. it's foreign. So you got to read. Meh, whatever. It's worth <laughs> it. I liked it. Um, quickly now, uh, Southbound, a horror anthology, um, mm-hmm. based on uh, it's like five short stories based around U.S. highways and traveling. I really okay. dug it. Third segment was awesome. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Just go and check it out on VOD or whatever. Um, fantastic. Uh, the Final Girls. Loved it. Good, um, good. Take Shelter, a movie from 2001 or probably 2011 with the guy who played Zod in the first Man of Steel. Uh, uh, name escapes me right now. Um, see if I can yeah. figure it out. He was in Bug here. also. Yeah, oh I am God. using the new Letterboxd app here. Oh, okay. And, uh, I go to film. Okay, here we go. Uh, what's his name? It is Michael Shannon. That's it. Yes. God, I hate that. Um, he's great. Yeah. Oh, he's he's amazing in everything. If yeah. you see a good Michael Shannon film, there's one, I think it's Sidney Lumet who directed it okay. before The Devil Knows You're Dead. Oh, okay. It's a crime dra- drama as well, but it's more dramatic. It's not really action-y, mm-hmm. but the, the violence in that film is shocking. Mm-hmm. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's in it. Um, Ethan Hawke's in it. Um, Albert Finney's in it. One of my favorite films. I Excellent. think it's from 2007. Amazing movie. I think I. That'd be. A- I think I picked that up because there's a store around us called Big Lots, and they have like three dollar DVDs. I think I may okay. have picked that one up, and I might have it upstairs right now. I'll have to check oh, later. It, on. It, I, I watch it maybe once every two, three years. Yeah. It's amazing. Oh, Marissa Tormey's in it. 
Oh, wow. Okay. If she she thought she was hot in The Wrestler, (laughs) she's hot in this one as well. Okay. And she has a fantastic scene right at the beginning with Philip Seymour Hoffman taking her from behind. (laughs) It just warms the cockles of your heart, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And uh, finishing off really quickly, a documentary on Netflix, The Wolf Pack, about these uh, family that was... Yeah. Did you see it? I didn't like it. No, I, I haven't honestly, seen it. You didn't like it? I, been, I did not like it. I read about it at work like late last year. Yeah, maybe middle of last year. And I've been excited to see it ever since. And I just saw that it was finally on Netflix. So I need to check it out. But I'm yeah, disappointed. Only I know about like it. It. Yeah, only reason I know about it is because of my Instagram. And I follow, Mag- I think, Magnet Pictures released yeah, it. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, I thought it was kind of dumb for a documentary. Like it sucks mm. that these guys were shut-ins. Yeah. And, but, you know, them reenacting movies, and I just think it's nah, not for me. Okay. Um, and finally, uh, I watched The Wing Commander, I think for the first time, with Freddie Prince Jr. and uh, Matthew Lillard. I watched that when Zachary I first hit DVD. Oh, my God. I don't even know yeah. it. Yeah. Holy shit. It's dated. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's I, I a, bet. Yeah, it's based on a video game, a Wing Commander, yeah, that, I've heard of uh, that. had. It was a, I think a part of the game, it's kind of like an X-Wing style game where it's a space combat simulation mm-hmm. and yeah. um, oh, what's his name? It was in it. Um, uh, shit. Uh, Luke Skywalker. Uh, fuck, um, Mark Hamill. Mark Hamill. Yes. Uh, he plays. Game, yeah. yeah. He's in a video game. Um, only reason why I knew about the game is because I used to, well, I used to be into PC gaming back mm-hmm. in the day and they had huge ads in, you know, like PC com- gaming magazine oh, okay. whatnot. Um, so I finally saw the movie on Netflix. Um, it wasn't horrible, but it's it's a late 90s film. So take it as you will, you know. Right. Um, no breasts, if anybody was curious about it. <laughs> so, you know, you can watch that on SD if you like. Uh, but it's got a great cast. It's actually got a really good cast. So, you know, it's fun, but it will not blow you away. Okay, very good. What did you see these last two weeks? You know, not a whole hell of a lot. I Actually, I don't even... I don't think there, I watched any movies that I can uh, talk about. I, nothing I can comes to mind right now. Ooh, um, the only thing I watched, yeah, the only thing I watched was um, pr- the rest the the final two episodes of Pretty Little Liars, and uh, that was just terrible. Uh, it's such a disappointing finale to the season. Uh, I don't know why they jumped five years ahead. There was absolutely no point to it. Um, I'm not going to spoil anything because people might be watching it. And so I don't want to give any spoilers for it. But, uh, as far as I'm concerned, that series ended, uh, halfway m- the midpoint finale of season six. Um, I won't be watching season seven, season, season seven, easier for me to say, unless Bridget insists that I watch it with her. Um, just, uh, not, I bet, huh? not good. No, I'm done. I am done with it. Um, but I played, uh, I am beat a video game. For the first time Ooh. in I don't know how long. Uh, New Super Mario Brothers 2 on my 2DS. Mm-hmm. I um, loved it. I mean, it's, it's just a great game. It's Mario, you know, and I love Mario. And uh, I actually beat it and, and went back and unlocked the only other level that I didn't open on the first playthrough. Because there's like branching worlds that you can unlock. And that was the flower world. And so I got that one open and beat that level. So I've, you know, beat all the levels in the game as far as I can remember. And so that one's done. I actually started new super Mario or whatever the hell it is. Not new super Mario, but super Mario world 3d 
or super okay. land, whatever it is. And uh, I don't like it nearly as much because it's a 3D setting. So it's just like more clunky to use Mario than in the 2D world. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. I'm still playing through it. Um, I'm sure I'll eventually beat it, but not not catching me like New Super Mario Brothers did. Um, otherwise, I just I've been watching sports. So I'm trying to watch the, the Red Wings, see if they can make it 25 years straight to the playoffs. They are cutting it damn close this year, though. Well, my Jets gave you guys two points here uh, last week, so you're yeah. welcome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I also watched Michigan win the Big Ten men's ice hockey tournament. They may have been knocked out of the basketball tournament, but I don't watch basketball, so I don't give a shit. But they did. Is college hockey huge in the States? It is minuscule. It is very niche sport. Nobody, uh, you, you know, you're not going to go out and talk to people about it. Uh, when you do, it's a... It's a notable experience. I had a guy walk into my bank the other day. He was wearing a Michigan hockey hat. So I was actually able to to talk Michigan hockey with him. Um, but, I mean, it's so rare. Not a lot of followers for it. Even at the the championship game in Minnesota, of all places, which is a very popular, you know, ho- Minnesota. popular. Yeah, exactly. And uh, even there, the the rink, like the arena was not very sold out. Like there wasn't, there was a lot of empty seats is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Like a Florida Panthers game. Exactly. Exactly. They had Florida Panthers had their nine was I think their eighth sellout of the season only when the Red Wings came to play on Saturday night. That just that stat blew my mind. And that's so sad because they got Yager with yep. uh, like an amazing season. They got Luongo yeah. and they still can't draw. It's, I know. Send the team to Quebec. There you Bring go. back Nordiques, damn it. <laughs> Yeah, I know for to happen. like you know their next expansion is going to be in Las Vegas, which is ridiculous. Yeah, like I don't even know the reason to go, right? <laughs> right, man. Yeah. But yeah, and then um, I'm trying. I'm watching wrestling, trying to get excited for WrestleMania. But goddamn, if the WWE isn't making that difficult, because it is just ah one of the worst builds to WrestleMania I've ever seen. Frankly, uh, I know yeah. you watched Roadblock and were disapp- was disappointed with that. Well, you know what, though? Upon retrospect, mm-hmm. like, the matches were good. Yeah, th- that's exactly right. The matches were good. As for, as for it being a roadblock, like a storyline changer for the yeah. pay-per-view, there was nothing of the sort. And that's what I think was I was disappointed with. Yeah. You know, uh, like, the matches were actually, now that you're, like, looking back on it again, mm-hmm. they were actually pretty decent. The main event was actually pretty cool. Right. But it's like, ugh, you know, Triple H wins again. And then, yeah. you know, like, for it to it being built up, and uh, it really didn't do anything. No, not literally not. None of the titles changed hands. Even the NXT titles that were being fought were didn't change hands, which I understand why the tag team title didn't because um, the uh, I'm, their names slip in my mind. The two that they were fighting. Enzo and Cass? Yeah, they're supposed to be coming up to the main roster. So obviously you're not going to put yeah. the tag titles on them in NXT. But Well, see, I really thought that they would win at that event and then lose the belts again at their uh, TakeOver Dallas. Oh, Dallas. Yeah, that could have been. That, That's I mean, what, that, you know, I was hoping that would happen. Give them just like the straps, just to say that they were the champs, mm-hmm. and then you know, ship them to Raw the next night after WrestleMania. Right. I'm interested. I'm I'm thinking that they're building to another brand split because yeah. if Shane wins, he wants control of quote unquote Raw. He didn't say WWE. He just said Raw. And so I'm thinking the night after WrestleMania, we might see another draft or something along those lines. Which, frankly, at this point, I think would be good because there are so many wrestlers in the mid card that are really talented that aren't being able to do anything right now because yeah. there's just 
kind of floating around there. And then like Cesaro is going to be coming back and he's just probably going to disappear into the mid card also. But if you had two brands, you'd at least be able to split them up a little bit and they could add like another belt or two might make it more no. interesting again. I still think it's going to be three brands. You're going three. to have uh, Sh- Shane on Raw, you'll have Steph on Smack, and then you've got Triple H for NXT. Well, yeah, yeah. I really think they're going to push NXT like the main, the big stars. Yeah. Yeah, that definitely could be. Like, you at a house show, there's no need for an NXT match uh, on that show, and they had it anyways. Right. Um, so I, my guess is, and I hope they do it because I'm ready to cancel my subscription just because I'm bored with it. Yep. They need to really shake something up because this mania, mm-hmm. if it wasn't for me watching with friends, yeah. um, I'm not that excited for. Exactly. The only reason I'm excited yeah. is because I'm having my fa- you know family and friends come over and we do like a betting thing for it every every pay-per-view. That's why I'm excited yeah. for it, not because of the card. Uh, which, I mean, frankly, it, it has the, oppor- the opportunity to actually deliver solid matches, but the yeah. storylines behind these matches are shit. Like – yeah. Um, Shane and, and Undertaker could be could be a lot of fun if Shane is able to tap into himself of a decade ago. Um, the yeah, if they can both hit the rewind button, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They just named a ladder match for the Intercontinental Championship, which just just the biggest cop out. It should have just been like last Zane year versus Kevin Owens. Yeah, like I I agree. So stupid. Um, and then Les and Ambrose should be a blast, especially because it's a street fight. Like I'm excited for that one. Yeah, but if but you, you want to shock me, right? Like if you want to shock me in this mania, mm-hmm. give the give the IC strip to Stardust. <laughs> he's done. He's yeah. done so much. He's such a good wrestler, and really gets is. jobbed, and then wins a few matches, gets jobbed again. Mm-hmm. Give him a strap. Yeah. You know, like you got the tag straps. Give him an IC strap, yeah. or even give him the US strap. Enough of this Alberto Del Rio Calisto garbage. Yeah, right. Like change things. Now it's been two months. You know. Yeah. Yeah, frankly, if if something exciting doesn't happen on that Raw after WrestleMania, I I don't I think I might have to cancel my uh, WWE network because it's just not worth the ten bucks a month, really. Um, yeah, that and you know if it's not for the pay per views, like I'm falling behind on NXT. I think I'm like three weeks behind right now. Okay, uh, I haven't watched a two to three falls match yet, so like that's how far behind I am. Gotcha. And like the Edge and Christian show, I couldn't give a fuck about. I yeah. watched two episodes. I'm like, this is horrible. Yeah. Um. And honestly, I, yeah, I don't. There's nothing like ride along. I don't care about what shenanigans happen on the road. Right. You know, like, does it really happen if the camera's off? Probably not. <laughs> yeah. So, exactly. Give me more yeah. table of three. Give me another season of Legends House. I will keep my subscription for that. You know, I haven't uh, watched that yet. I need to. Uh, now it kind of sucks just because Roddy Piper is no longer with us. So it's going to mm. be kind of weird watching that. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. And, uh, and that Legends of Wrestling. I love that round table that they did. Oh, but I they do don't have too. all the episodes up. Right. Stop all the episodes up. What, what, why are you holding back? You know? Who knows? See, I love that. That's the behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But so now that everyone has turned off their podcast at this point, um, I guess we'll move on to talk about Death Proof. Oh, we watched the movie? Yeah. Are we doing that or are we doing Black Mirror first? Or Black Mirror first? Um, well, we normally do the movie first, but do you want to go Black Mirror first? So, I guess, I guess, uh, go movie first. I don't know. <laughs> it, <laughs> it's been a while. It's just weird because I actually watched Black Mirror first for the first time. So, it's weird that you're even bringing it up. But let's stick with, um, we'll do, we'll do Death Proof and then we'll f- conclude with, uh, Black Mirror. So, all right, so again, there are going to be spoilers for Death Proof, so if you have not seen it, pause, go watch the film, come back to us. All right, so Death Proof is the 2007 film, obviously directed by 
Quentin Tarantino, also written by Tarantino. It currently has a 7.1 rating in IMDb and a Metacritic score of 77, but there's a bit of an asterisk next to that because that's Grindhouse. That's not just Death Proof. Now, when this was released in theaters, it was under the title Grindhouse, and Grindhouse had both uh, Planet, uh, what, Planet Terror and yeah. Death Proof. And so there were both films, and in between the two films, there were trailers for movies, like fake movies. I think, wasn't one or two of them actually made? Do you recall offhand? Machete. Okay. Machete was one of them, oh. I remember right. Yeah, I think that's the only one that actually came out as a feature. Oh, well, no, Hobo with the Shotgun. That's what I was saying, Hobo with the Shotgun was yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. That's, which was... Uh, I like okay. it. I like it. Canadian. <laughs> but very cool. Um, if you can watch both of them back to back with the trailers in between. I have the Grindhouse Blu-ray, and so it has all of that together. And uh, it's just, it's awesome to be able to watch it that way. That's, um, I'll, I'll jump in. That was my first, that my history with the film. That's the first time I saw it. it was in theaters. My, me and my two best friends, we went to a really nice theater that was in uh, Royal Oak, actually, and um, watched both of these back to back. And I don't even remember getting up to use the restroom at any point. I don't remember be, feeling like it was too long, anything like that. I just remember absolutely loving what I was watching. And uh, especially loving some of the trailers, like the Thanksgiving trailer by Eli Roth. Mm -hmm. Really, you know, there's rumors that he was going to make that into a feature, but that's never happened, unfortunately. But just a lot of really cool fake trailers that they did um, or trailers for fake movies, I guess I should say. Yeah, I really like Don't, uh, the Edgar Wright one. Yes. Yeah, the the Fulci-esque, uh, you know, uh, surreal Gates of Hell uh, uh, trailer. I, oh, man, <laughs> I love that one. Yeah, definitely. If you, you know, if you don't have the Blu-ray, definitely try to seek those out. I'm sure they're on YouTube somewhere. Um, but if you do have the Blu-ray and you haven't checked them out yet, make sure you the trailers are definitely worth watching if you haven't haven't seen them. Um, Ash, what is your history with Death Proof? Uh, I actually didn't see Death Proof till it came out on video. OK, uh, got a copy of it, watched it once mm -hmm. and I haven't watched it since. Okay. Until we watched it for the podcast. Excellent. What about you, Mark? Uh, well, I burned my penis watching it. I did the whole <laughs> uh, hole in the bag of popcorn gag. And uh, so I missed all of Planet Terror while I was getting bandaged. Oh, God. Uh, but seriously, folks. Yeah. No, I saw I saw Grand House in the theaters when it came out. I'm very excited for it. Um, and uh, yeah, it was, it was great. I watched it sober, didn't bring any any amaretto, no flask needed. <laughs> and uh, I liked uh, Planet Terror, I love the death proof, excellent. Yeah, um, and just a synopsis, real quick synopsis from IMDb two sets of beautiful women are stalked at different times by stuntman Mike, who uses his death proof car to execute his murderous plans. So that is what death proof is about. So let's jump in right at the opening shot what do we have we have a set of feet i mean you, you just instantly know hey, here's our tarantino film yeah uh, jungle julia is whose feet we were looking at there and i'll be honest with you i saw as the credits were going it said sydney potier and i was like what sydney potier i don't remember that at all and then i realized <laughs> oh that's jungle julia my bad I think I was missing an R there, but that was a mistake I made this when I was watching this movie today. I was like, oh, okay. Oops. But um, yeah, I love that right from the beginning, you can tell that Tarantino is doing what Tarantino loves to do. And with this, like this grindhouse feeling, um, this 
throwback feeling. Um, it it feels timeless right from the start because it it feels like maybe we're watching a film that's set in the seventies is w- really what I got. But then yeah, later it had on, a Jackie Brown feel. Yeah, exactly. And then later on, we see she's using a cell phone and and other things that give away that we're not in the seventies. But uh, and, and uh, she dri- he drives by the Alamo Draft House right in the beginning of the film because they're in Austin, mm-hmm. Texas, which is very yeah. cool. Um, they even have inconsistent audio while they're driving, which I thought it just felt cheap, and I absolutely loved it. Did you guys, did you catch that? Where what I'm, I'm trying to, how do I explain it? I guess, but when the when they're driving in the opening shot, there when the camera's on one woman who's talking, we the sound, the ambient sound around has one feeling, has one sound to it, one uh, like tone. And then when it goes to the other character, it's a different tone. It's a different sound. So it feels mm-hmm. like they were shot at different times, which, you know, they could have been. Well, I don't know. It's a large production, so they probably had multiple cameras. I don't know how they did it, obviously. But um, it just feels like they're shot at different times, and it just gives that kind of um, low-budget feel to it, which I think yeah. is really cool. Yeah, it's, it gives that grindhouse feel like it's like you're, you know, you're going to a convention and you're going through like a bin of old films mm-hmm. and, and you you find like the like th- those sweet 70s films right. that, you know, the, the picture is really, really ro- uh, rose-ish because the, like, the film quality deteriorated when they made the transfer. Like it's got that lost, lost classic cult film feel to it. Yeah. Which and is I right think- up my alley. I think he did something with some with some of the scenes is when I, I noticed it in um, that kind of had the the film itself have a washed out look to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I noticed it spe- specifically when um, what was her character's name? Um, Pam Rose McGowan's character mm-hmm. when she has the blonde hair and her face is is white. Uh, it just the whole scene just looked washed out, which I think was an intentional choice by him. Yeah, she but, doesn't make a good blonde. Oh, that's what I wrote down. No, not <laughs> definitely not. Uh, and they did, the only reason they did that though, the, the, the completely odd hair, was so that they would separate her from her character in Planet, Planet Terror. Terror. That's what I figured. Yeah, um, I didn't actually watch these back to back this time. I just watched Death Proof, but I feel like I would have appreciated that more had I watched them back to back again. I haven't actually watched them back to back. I haven't ever actually watched Planet Terror at all. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. Planetary is not bad, and if you watch them back to back, some themes or some characters they reoccur. Yep. Like uh, the doctor at the hospital with the, with the syringes. I don't mm-hmm. have uh, uh, her name in front of me here, but she was like probably the best part of Planetary for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I thought Rose was miscast for this role. You know, <laughs> uh, she she plays a complete reversal than the other character in Planetary, mm-hmm. but I don't find she plays Meek very well. You know, to me, she, yeah. she plays like a very confident woman very well. She just looks confident to begin with. Mm-hmm. And I, I just don't feel like she embodied the character properly. Like, I, I personally, I thought it was miscast, uh, miscasting on uh, on their part. Mm-hmm. But uh, what do I know? Yeah, I don't know. I didn't find the character. I didn't feel like the character needed to be uh, meek. I, I don't know. I just she felt like. I felt like the character was still a strong woman the way she was doing it, but she just kind of let herself go into this world that she was basically seduced into by stuntman Mike. So I guess I didn't, I didn't have that problem. I didn't have the same problem, I guess I is with what it boils down to. Yeah. Just, you know, like she played a bit of the loser, not the popular kid, even though she's a, she's a gorgeous woman. That's true. She talks about how jungle Julia bullied her as a kid. And that's why Mm -hmm. she's not sitting with them. And, 
you know, there's a one scene where um, Stuntman Mike is talking about uh, his roles that he did on various TV shows. Yeah. And <laughs> she's sitting with three other girls that don't really right. look movie starish like the first group of girls do. You know, maybe a little right. more outcast, a little more like, you know, uh, just just not part of Julia's crew, you know? Yeah. And uh, yeah, she just seemed, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I just felt that it just her her role seemed a little little overacted because that's just not how she's how I perceive her to be, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah. So like, oh, can, you, can somebody drive me? Or, you know, like, can I get a ride? Right. It's like, yeah, you really wouldn't have that problem in real life. Uh, right yeah uh, yeah absolutely I, I see what you're saying there objectively i yeah i think you're absolutely right it just didn't hit me when i was watching it i guess yeah nothing like nothing wrong in her part anything you know like mm-hmm. she does the part i just didn't find her believable in that role yeah yeah fair enough i love that we have um eli roth and tarantino both yeah. in the film uh i thought tarantino did did a really good job he was playing warren kind of just mm-hmm. the bartender you know the owner whatever um i thought he did a, a better job in this than i think he's done in the past in some of his roles now can anybody here uh honestly say they've had a shot of chartreuse before no no me neither i had to google what chartreuse was yeah and this is what i found so it's a pale green or yellow liqueur made from brandy and aromatic herbs uh huh. french liqueur made by the carthusian monks since 1737 that doesn't sound very good to me. Oh, like I'm man. sure I'll try a shot. See I was going to say, you one, know, but... the next time you hit the bar, you're going to, you're going to try a shot of it. Yes. Chartreuse for everybody. <laughs> that is a tea beverage. Yeah. I wonder if it's expensive. It's probably expensive. Oh, yeah. But when, when you make money, like I make money, you know, it, it doesn't matter how expensive it is. <laughs> See, that's me as Rose McGowan, as a guy who has a lot of money. It's not believable. <laughs> oh, man. Um, one shot that I really loved was when uh, butterfly, she went out for a smoke and the it's, it's raining. I just, I don't know what it was. It was very short, but I just thought it was a really cool shot. The rain looked great. And, uh, the way we kind of followed her out and everything I thought was really well done. One thing we didn't really get here that I noticed at least, and I just thought about this is a real long take of a long take where the camera's moving a lot. Like I think back to Jackie Brown when, um, uh, Samuel, uh, gets, uh, the scene in the second half of the movie of um, Death Proof. You're talking about? Yeah, yeah, Death Proof. Uh, sorry, you guys cut out. Like, uh, oh, sorry about that. I'm okay. No, yeah, I got gotcha. uh, you. You were talking about the long take. Yeah, the uh, the long take he had is in the second half of the movie with the diner scene. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, that's it's a you're fairly right. long one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you're absolutely right. What I was thinking. Uh, was kind of uh, the long take where the camera's moving a lot along with it. Um, like in Kill Bill, we have the, the the take where it's they start at like the door and it kind of backs up and we see the the four go in and shoot up the place. Um, and then in Jackie Brown, where the camera it's on a crane, obviously, and it goes up over the wall where Samuel L. Jackson goes around and then uh, Chris Chris Tucker gets out of the trunk and he shoots him there. Um, yeah. Something along those lines, I guess. Uh, but yeah, you're absolutely right there. That was a long take in there, which I didn't, um, I didn't even make note of. I frankly, I didn't make a ton of notes in this one. Um, just cause I was, 
just watching. I don't know. There was a lot of dialogue moments in this where um, I thought the dialogue was excellent. There was just not much to um, comment on, I guess, just enjoying it. It's very possible that the lab dance scene would have been a very long take, but since the reel was missing, <laughs> you know, but right. I was re- watching the special features on that uh, Blu-ray Greenhouse release yeah. and they filmed it. Really? Uh, yes, because they showed scenes of it, of her crawling on the floor and giving Stan and Mike lab dance. But uh, I couldn't. If you no, yeah, if you don't have the Grindhouse version, um, if you have the like the just the standalone death proof release that's not the Grindhouse version, there is like an extra yeah. twenty seven minutes of footage in the film, including really? the lap dance. Yep. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't either. Well, yeah. good. Okay. I'm a little upset. Uh, yeah, the <laughs> American too. Grindhouse theatrical release is twenty seven minutes shorter than the standalone version. Holy shit! Oh, I was not yeah. aware of that. Well, I will have to pick well, that up. I don't know. I don't know what you've got on your DVD. I mean, the the basically the lap dance with uh, the version I've got that well, um, with uh, something Mike goes on for a while. It starts with the jukebox. She's crawling around on the floor. She crawls around in his lap. She starts to undress him, and then it yeah, cuts. Talk slowly. Talk slowly. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. No, I did not know that he actually even filmed that. Uh, that's news. I'm gonna have guys- to pick it up. Okay, uh, is there like a, in, in the version you guys watch? Is there a black and white scene where uh, he messes with uh, Rosario Dawson's feet? No, no, yes. no, they, no. Yeah, there is. Yeah, okay. So there is a uh, there is a black and white segment where Stuntman Mike um, is sizing up the girls in the second half of the film before yeah. he even where he starts to stalk them. Yeah, and she's got her feet hanging off of out of the car door because uh, she's asleep. And he starts fucking with her feet because no one else is paying attention. And he actually licks his hand and then lit, runs his wet finger along her toes. Oh and then she freaks God. out and sits up, but he's looking like he's getting his keys. So she thinks he just brushed across her feet as when he was getting his keys. <laughs> yeah, and that's the scene where Ramona Flower sings, right, with her iPod? Yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, huh. it, it, there's, there's a segment to Girls of uh, Grindhouse or something like that on the Blue release, which I mm-hmm. watched, and they had segments of that. And they've got her song that she sings in on her iPod uh, as a special, like uh, you know, uh, feature. Um, but they don't have the full scenes, and that pisses me off knowing that it's out there and I don't have it. Yeah, me uh, too. They're not yeah, even on, on deleted scenes on the Blu-ray. You know, I didn't notice deleted scenes because um, okay. it, it's split look. onto two discs, eh? And right. I'm looking at disc one really quickly, and what sucks is that there's commentary for Planet Terror, but nothing or Death Proof. Huh. Which really irked me. Um, uh, I, Tarantino doesn't like Death Proof and how it came out. He uh, he is really? commented as he thinks it is his worst film. Huh, man, it's one of my favorites. Like I, I love it. this movie. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's also better the than only a piece one of, of his films. Fiction, that, right, guys? <laughs> it's also the only one of his films that is in complete and total chronological order. Oh that's yeah, true? that's interesting. I didn't think about yeah, that. Okay, yeah, here it is. Uh, Let's see. Alternate versions. After Zoe flies off the hood, she walks back to the car and says, "Phew, that was a close one." In the unrated extended version, it cuts to her right to her line. So where's the maniac? <laughs> in the U.S. theatrical double feature version, there's some extra lines of dialogue in between. Um, okay, apparently that's missing there. Um, but yeah, that's not. None of this was in my version. Well, some of it was in my version, but not the lines. And apparently, when they're crying in the car, Zoe asks them, uh, "Who died? You guys look like shit." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've seen that um, scene before. Oh, here we yeah. go. Death Proof, extended and unrated edition. It's only eight dollars Canadian. I'm gonna have to pick that up. So that's probably like yeah, two bucks the, US. Uh, 
the underrated single movie version, there's a scene of Stumpback Mike watching the girls leaving the restaurant and showing Warren's bar. They three walk out of the place drunk, and Shayna falls down on her butt. Then they show the bar and the crazy babysitter twins entering the front door to the song "Baby It's You." Yeah, that's in the version I had. Then the missing wow. real theatrical cut is included with the DVD Blu-ray single movie version. The entire lap dance is played out by Vanessa Toledo. Yep, that's the version you, I got. You know what? Some of those scenes you've mentioned do sound familiar because I used to have the uh, DVD steel books of both Planet Terror and Death Proof. Mm-hmm. And stupid me, I gave them away once I got this Blu-ray uh, grindhouse, <laughs> thinking it was the be-all end-all. And right. wow, was I wrong. See, but I uh, believe the yeah, grindhouse uh, Blu-ray came out first, and then they did the separate releases, if I remember right. Yes, and I bought the grindhouse DVD, then I bought the two uh, I bought the two steelbooks, okay. and then I got rid of all my DVDs that were double dips, and I kept the Blu-ray copies. Gotcha. Eh, oh, see, man, so, so my my not really wanting the grindhouse double feature after get, just getting death proof paid off for me. Sweet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no kidding, man. Oh, I'll definitely no, it, have to get that then because I want to see it, that. Is is this movie on Netflix at all in the in the states? No, no, not. it isn't. Eight. Okay, I was wondering what what version they had. So, yeah, no, unfortunately, it's not. Ah, okay, yeah, and I asked in the states just because my VPN shit on me uh, this week. Oh, really? Um, Netflix finally blocked me, so oh, uh, wow. yeah, it was a good run. It was like two and a half some years, but right, yeah, that ride is over. That sucks, mm. man. Life goes on. I got lots to watch. Yep, exactly. Yeah, the moment when um, kind of just going back to my notes here, the music um, when they flip the light on in the parking lot. Yeah, sorry, lot, I kind of derailed us. <laughs> no, you're fine. That's interesting. Oh, no, it's oh, all it's good. A good idea. So, yeah. um, but the, when they, the music, when they flip that light on in the parking lot and it reveals, um, Stuntman Mike's car, I thought the music was, was really yeah. cool choice. It, it felt like a horror, horror film at that point. Um, just yeah. the way the music was, I don't know. It was interesting. That was like his Christine moment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I will have to watch for it because I missed it the first time, but apparently Jack, uh, Jack Burton's shirt from Big Trouble in Little China, the shirt that Kurt Russell wore in Big Trouble in Little mm. China is hanging in that bar oh. near the jukebox. Oh, no shit. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it is. <laughs> wow. I don't want to derail the jukebox, subject again. Oh, go ahead. oh sorry. Oh, no, and no, that no, no, go ahead. Is, yeah, that jukebox is actually Tarantino's. He actually had them ship it in a <laughs> in a like shipping trailer from L.A. out to where they filmed it in, in Texas. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> And what were you going to say, Mark? Oh, just not to derail this uh, or uh, conscious streaming of thought here, but uh, <laughs> my local movieplex is actually playing Big Trouble in Little China on Sunday. Oh, cool! On the big screen, so oh. I am going to that. I cannot wait to see. I've never seen it on the big screen before, you know. So I'm I am dying to see this. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I don't think it's a 35 millimeter print that uh, they've got. I think it's going to be whatever they use now. Mm-hmm. Um, but still just to watch it with a crowd, it's going to be fun. That's really cool. Yeah. I've only, I watched it for the podcast. Actually, it was one of the earlier episodes that we did. It was, um, Ash, one of your favorite films, right? Mm-hmm. And, yep. um, yeah, it was, it's one that I definitely want to watch again. It I didn't, uh, strike me as hard as it struck a lot of people. Um, really first time, but, uh, I, I would love to see it on the big screen. That'd be a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, there's so much goodness in that movie. Oh, if I can just, just have, have to, a psychic called Chang. Ru- yeah, you just have to remember Kurt Russell is the biggest named sidekick 
in film ever. Because <laughs> <laughs> he is not the hero of the movie. He is the sidekick. No, totally. <laughs> yeah. He's the bumbling sidekick. <laughs> but it's one of those, I, I think that was the same podcast that we did, um, The Running Man. I could be wrong. It was somewhere around yeah, there anyway. It was, yeah, they were the, it was the 80s movies. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And uh, I, I went back and watched The Running Man since then, and I absolutely loved it. Like, I could I feel like I could watch The Running Man over and over and over again and still enjoy it. Um, so it was just one of those things. I feel like I'd like it more in, on a repeat viewing. But I don't find it holds up as much anymore. But mm-hmm. if it wasn't for Richard Dawson as the host of the TV, of the game show, oh, the movie God. would not be as popular as it is because yeah. he is oh, yeah. the premier game show host in Absolutely. my mind like he must have had herpes early on in his family feud career by kissing all the girls on the mouth <laughs> you know Oof. oh god yeah what an awesome job yeah <laughs> um one scene that you mentioned earlier when um back to the movie okay stuntman mike is talking about the movies that he's been in and, and the people that he's doubled for. And just, I loved how unimpressed the girls were. He, he, they just have no idea who the hell he's talking about. Um, and I like that a lot because it just, it, I feel like it makes stuntman Mike very human. Uh, and I think that's just a, a great choice by Tarantino at that moment. Yeah. It makes him uh, antiquated. You know, <laughs> he's no longer in the times. What I didn't like uh, early on in that scene was when Eli Roth and his buddy are making fun of uh, some man, Mike. I like that. See, but I thought like what they were laughing at. I was like, really? You're teasing him for that. Like, <laughs> I, I, I thought just the teasing itself or their comments yeah. were kind of lame to begin with because mm-hmm. I thought it looked pretty badass. And when the movie came out, I actually looked into seeing if it's possible to get an actual jacket like that. (laughs) Thank God I didn't continue with my purchase because it would have looked lame. But uh, yeah, I thought he was such a cool looking character. You know, just like they laughed at his hair and his jacket. I'm like, that jacket and that head of hair was badass. I don't know. But But I like it because it's interesting too is um, in the beginning of the movie. Now, the first segment, Kurt Russell is made up to look more like uh, like an older Elvis, yeah, which I think yeah. is hilarious, which I think is hilarious because Kurt Russell played Elvis in a TV movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, back in the Directed back by later. Carpenter. Carpenter, yep. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but then in the second half of the movie, they make him scruffier and he looks a lot more like Snake Plissken out of Escape from New York and Escape from L.A. <laughs> yes. What, uh, now, didn't he also play an Elvis impersonator in 3,000 Miles to Graceland? Or 2,000 Miles to Graceland? With Costner and... Uh, yeah, I think he did. I think he played an Elvis impersonator in one. I think it was like 3,000 Miles to Graceland. And it was also with... Uh, what's his name? Uh, Dewey from uh, Scream. Um, Ar- uh, uh, Arquette. Uh, <laughs> David Arquette. David Arquette, yeah. yeah. He's played Elvis a few times. Hmm. Or Elvis-like character. I, feel like he, I haven't seen that movie, uh, 3,000 Miles of Grayson, but I feel like he would make an excellent Elvis. He looked cool, but I don't recall the movie being that good. No? Okay. No. Um, I, I just, I fucking love Kurt Russell. I mean, he's so great. Um, and I think he's excellent in this film. The The scene with Butterfly in the poem is such a great scene um, because oh, yeah. he's both scary and charming all at the same time. And then he pulls out his going in the books like stunt to get her to actually do the lap dance. I mean, just... I don't know. He's just so damn good at everything he does. Uh, I just I, I, love him. I thought that scene when he's reciting the poem, so douche chilly. Because <laughs> I can just imagine guys at the bar going up to her and reciting that poem. So I'm actually on the couch and like my, my guts are twisting. I'm like, oh, this is not going to turn out good. You know? 
Like, I feel bad for Butterfly because she's just a victim. I don't know. I love that he was able to call that she hadn't, like, hadn't had the poem read to her and was upset about it. Like, I don't know. It was just very, ah, I don't very sly, I thought. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's, he's a ladies' man, but yeah. uh, he, can't, he can't finish the deal. Right. That's what it seems. It's, it's, like, it's like he's got uh, erectile dysfunction, you know? He's got the looks. <laughs> he's got the car. He can get the girl, but he can't finish, so he's got to kill him. <laughs> so I think he's impotent. That could be the motivation. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> um, I liked Rosario, uh, Rose's, Rose McGowan's answer. What's her character name? Pam. Um, her answer to Mike's question about how they, how she thinks they pull off all those crazy stunts in films. And she says CGI. I thought that was very funny. Very fitting. <laughs> yeah, and just the fact that there's no CGI in this movie, which makes it that much more badass. Exactly. Exactly yeah. right. I think... If I have to pick one shot and and say this is my favorite shot, and frankly, it might be my favorite shot of all of these films we watch for the Tarantino Thon. It's when um, stuntman Mike turns, he watches the red car pull away with the girls, and then he throws a cigarette down and he just turns and smiles at the camera and then oh hits into the car. Ball break! Oh my god! god yes, that is yeah. as good as it fucking gets, man. Loved it. Oh, and it and it's the classic Kurt Russell grin too. Yes. Oh my god, that's beautiful. Oh, so good. And that happens almost like a half hour into the film. Like you mm-hmm. get all this dialogue and exposition yep. for the first thirty minutes. And this movie's called Death Proof. What are we <laughs> going to see? Some death, you know? Right. So right. then, as they leave the car, you know, the movie goes into fourth gear. You know? Yeah. Absolutely. He smiles and he's like, "Are you ready, audience?" That's <laughs> just so damn good. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. And, and that's where he's able to rise to the occasion because he can't normally. So, right. yeah. Yeah, man. Awesome stuff. And then uh, we get the first kill, which, uh, I mean, I thought it, it was simple yet effective. I thought it was so well done. The um, Just the effects, the way they did everything was great. Like the McGowan kill? Yes. Or, or the car crash? The uh, I was talking about the McGowan kill. Okay. Just that very first one. Um, but the head on collision was even better. I mean, that was just incredible. Um, I love how you see death one rewind, death two rewind, death three, and then all of eventually we get all four deaths. Um, the effects, the way they die is so detailed. Uh, I just, wow. Wow. That tire to the face. Oh yeah. It's the best. Something that uh, it's seared into my brain. I'll never forget (laughs) it. That is probably one of the coolest death scenes in the film mm. I've ever seen. You know, awesome. yeah, it, it's all oh. leg. It's the leg. Damien. Yes, the leg. <laughs> okay, too. just flopping on the ground. But it's funny you said about the the tire because that's the one when I'm thinking of it. That was in my head. It's just seeing the tire go around the head. But yeah, the the leg's excellent too, though. Definitely. Um, what was the fourth one? There was the one she flies out the window. Oh, yeah. the the car like just collapses, like basically cuts her in half type of deal. That was the last one. Okay, yeah, that's right. Um, right before that, again, Tarantino's use of licensed music, just excellent. With the, I, I have no idea what the name of the band was. The one who, if Peter left, Peter was going to leave this band for the um, leave the Who for this band. It was like a bunch oh, of oh the I yeah 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 song <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> um and that, yeah it, it's a monkey song, isn't it? It'd be like she Peter Tosh, Mike. Yeah, he she he just she just uh, called the monkeys by their first names. Oh, I that's a monkey song. Okay, 
I could that. be wrong. No, my, my wife says ignorance. it's not the monkeys. It's not the monkeys? Okay. The monkeys? The monkeys were Peter, Davey, Mikey, and... Hang on. Peter, Dave, Mike, and Mickey. Oh. She says trust her. Yeah. They said oh, something about like Fitch and Thatch or some shit were two of the names or something along those lines. I don't know who they were. If Finch, yeah. But what? what I, I, that's I my ignorance I, to the world of music, but... Yeah, I find the music in this film kind of underwhelming. Like, none of it really catches me like other films did. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, it maybe goes with the movie, but it isn't memorable because I don't remember the... Like, it's not a soundtrack I would actually, like, run out and buy myself. Yeah, that frankly, that's the uh, only one habit, that though. hit me. You, what'd uh, you say? Chick Habit at the end, though. That one, like, stuck in our heads for years. Which... The, the end credit song. Oh, I don't remember. Oh, I don't remember either, I'll be honest with you. I'd have to rewatch if I wasn't paying attention to that point. I'm going to watch Hang it again on. when I get my proper copy of yeah, Blu-ray. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, we should do another version of this podcast. <laughs> yeah. I just want to watch a love dance scene, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> I want to see a butterfly. Okay, here we go. Hang on. Can you guys hear this or not? Here it goes. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Chick Habit. Yeah. Very My good. wife doesn't necessarily like the movie. She loves that song. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, she says do not diss Chick Habit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no hate here. I love that uh which I feel like is so opposite of what we normally see. The um the the sheriff, the kind of country bumpkin sheriff knows exactly that it was vehicular homicide, but he just can't prove it. I thought that was interesting. And what's cool, too, is that, you know, that's uh, Michael Park and his son, uh, James Parks. Okay. That is the third time that James plays that specific character of Edgar McGraw. He played, uh, well, him and his father played the same characters in the Kill Bill movies. And uh, James Parks also played the, the same character in From Dust Till Dawn 2, Texas Blood Money. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't realize that. I didn't connect that. Yeah, neither did I. Any of, or was that he wasn't Parks? And he wasn't uh, the same sheriff though in the first from Dust Till Dawn, though, was he? No, um, it was my, it was his dad in the first one. Oh, so okay. Michael Parks okay. gets killed in the uh, in that robbery in the beginning, um, and right. I guess his son plays. I, and I remember seeing Dust Till Dawn too, but it's not memorable at all. Um, his son plays, I guess, his that same character in the sequel. Hmm. And it is, for those who saw Hateful Eight, he's the same guy who played OB, the Chuck Wagon uh, driver in, uh, well, Hateful Eight. I'll it's have to look man. for it. I'll have to yeah. check for it. Very cool. Good good fact. I had no idea. Another quick fact before yeah. we move on to the next girls. Absolutely. So the character of Butterfly, mm-hmm. it was actually written specifically for Vanessa Ferlito, who played, well, who plays that character. Uh, I guess Tarantino had uh, seen her in another film. Uh, and she screen tested for a few other parts that he was uh, producing or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had her in mind when he actually wrote that script. So uh, she didn't even have to, uh, she just had to accept uh, that role. Um, he wrote it after she said yes and wrote it specifically for her. Very cool. I don't, yeah. I honestly didn't recognize her from anything else I've ever seen. Me neither. Um, okay. She was in the first season of CSI New York. <laughs> was she a regular? Yes, she was. She was main cast. Oh, wow. Interesting. Only for one season? Uh, yeah, she left to do movies, and her movie okay. career never really did anything. Oh. 
Gotcha. She was also oh, so she... in Spider-Man 2, uh, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man 2. Okay. Um, she was one of the actresses in the theater there. And then, then Death Proof, and I haven't really seen her in anything since. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. So she pretty that, much did a Caruso. Really... Did a what, did you say? She did a Caruso, a David Caruso with a career. Oh, yeah. Hmm. I like the the line that the sheriff... He says, probably the only way that diabolical, I think he said junior or something, can shoot his goo, talking about why he does what he does. I thought that was a just a great line that made me laugh. What and kill- it kind of okay. goes with the whole, you know, him not being successful with the ladies. Right. This yeah. is the way that he can get off, right? Yep. So Absolutely. It just makes me sad because that car is so cool. Oh, it really is. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. that's such a cool looking car. And then I love the car in the next set. So we go from here and then we kind of convert or uh, whatever the fucking word is I'm thinking of. We switch over to the <laughs> transition. To transition, the thank you, yes. to the other set of girls. Um, and they drive this badass yellow Mustang with the black stripes. Oh, it was gorgeous. But um, Yellow Mustang with black stripes. Yeah, it was referred to as the little or mini pussy wagon on set, I guess. Oh, really? Yes, <laughs> that's it, awesome. It's it's very Kill Billish. Yeah, yep. I didn't even uh, didn't even connect that. Didn't even catch that. But yeah, good call. Huh? Interesting. So I love that. I didn't realize. So I wrote. I was like, I love that one. The one girl is randomly dressed in a cheerleader's uniform the entire time. And then I said, Oh, holy shit! I just realized that character is Mary Elizabeth Winstead. I had fucking didn't know that was her. Ramona like, Flowers. Huh. <laughs> Who'd yeah, thunk? yeah. I had no I, up until I rewatched it. I had no idea she was in a QT film. Yeah, exactly. Me either. But yeah, then so because she, she's she's the last, she's the least. Um, uh, I would say like out there character in this one. Oh, she yeah. gets dropped off halfway through. Yep. You know, she yeah. doesn't go through any of the trauma. Mm-hmm. And and the reason she's randomly dressed in this uniform is because she's playing a cheerleader in the film. And so <laughs> just trying to figure out why she's wearing her costume out while she's like quote unquote on call for the next four days it's weird but whatever probably went straight from this she went straight from the set to the airport to pick up zoe bell's character and then they're off yeah. to do whatever girls do you know right which apparently is kill people drive awesome cars and then kill people so good for girls yeah yeah girls yeah. <laughs> says, you know but they were provoked so yeah nah. absolutely were Oh, so they're completely reactive. They, they weren't seeking this. They, nope. you know, they were they were victims, and they fought back. Yeah, it, it's it's a bit of a rape revenge scenario, you know. Exactly. They get, uh, yeah, exactly. it's, it's kind of like a spit on your grave without all the nasty stuff. Yeah, absolutely right. Um, and I think they do it so damn well. So it's it's Zoe Bell playing Zoe Bell, which yes. um, you know, obviously was a great stunt woman before this, but went on to do more than just stunt. Like she was in Rays. Um, one of the lead character actors there and uh, a couple other films, I believe nothing that springs to mind right now. Um, but she did a lot of work. Well, she's been in a lot of QT films since this one. Like, I don't think she was in the glorious bastards, but she had a small cameo in Django. And again, she was in uh, hateful eight. Okay. And I just find she plays the same type of character in all his films. Yeah. That, you know, like she's a grown woman, but she acts kind of like a, a preteen ish. You know, with this, with this punk and this, like, you know, life is awesome mm-hmm. until, you know, something bad happens. Like, right. it just seems she, she just plays the same character, except for, you know, the Django part, because her face is covered and, well, you know, 
okay. it's a different thing. But I find there's there's very similar parallels to her character in this film, and especially in um, Hateful Eight. Gotcha. Yeah, I th- think she's probably a stunt woman first. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. She's not not the great of an actress, right? right. Like, you know, she, she would be my first pick for for something. You know, mm-hmm. like Ray's wasn't that good. I like the idea of it. Yeah, but she's just yeah. Like she's awesome at stunts, obviously. Right. But I don't I don't really dig her as a leading role. She's yeah. you know like a again she, she was a stand-in for Uma Thurman, right? Mm-hmm. So every time I see Zoe, unfortunately, I see Uma. <laughs> Yeah. And I'm just thinking, you know, in these roles, I can see Uma probably doing better. Right, right, right. Hmm. Um, one shot that I like, in, in the, instead of a trunk shot, we get kind of the hood shot with um, the Challenger, mm-hmm. another Tarantino staple. Um, and I, one shot I love from this was when you have um, Jasper, the guy they're buying the car from, or, well, they're yeah. not buying the car from, but on the left, with all we see is like his crotch on down and then the white challenger in the middle, the girl saying bye. And then Lee on the right, who just wakes up right before they're about to leave. And I just thought that was perfect. Uh, just the way it was framed was absolutely perfect. And, and Jasper is, he's pretty much playing the same character he did in uh, kill bill volume two. Right. He's the guy that goes to rape uh, Uma's uh, Kumoto's body until she wakes up. You know, it's, yes, it, it, that's it's what it, Jackson oh. guy. I couldn't fucking remember how I recognized this person. Yeah, he had the same cross eye, had the same tone of voice. Yep. Now, is he the same character? I don't know, but it's a damn similar mold. Yeah, it is. That's interesting. Yeah. I was trying to figure out, this guy is so familiar, but I can't figure out why. Then he's part of the Adam Sandler crew of guys. You know, he's one of their big guys. Oh, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That too. Mm-hmm. Um, he reminded me of the alien from Men in Black. <laughs> the main alien. I don't know why he always reminds me of that, but he does. But oh, oh yeah, I can I can see yeah. that. that. Yeah, and and that's probably my favorite Vincent D'Onofrio uh, role. Yeah, because like he's playing a guy who's wearing a skin suit, so he he's playing he's playing a bug wearing a skin costume. Yeah. Like, it's such a, it's such a cool role, right? Absolutely. Um, yeah. So then you know we go on and we go to this car chase, which is just excellent. Um, it is basically the, um, the entire action of the, I mean, it's most of the action of the entire film, frankly, um, aside from the head on collision, but no, have you guys seen vanishing point at all? I have not. Nope. No, I have. Yes, I have. Yeah. And that's just one long car chase scene pretty much from beginning to end. It's like, oh, it's a yeah. guy on speed trying to, uh, get to San Francisco, I think, in a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. And the cops chase him and the, the radio DJ gives him tips, you know, <laughs> like kind of like how the warriors, you know, how the uh, uh, the female DJ gives the boppers tips on where to go type of thing. Similar thing, but it's it's just one long car chasing. Okay. So, and they use the same car in Vanishing Point as they do in uh, in this one. That's really cool. I, it's I, cool. I, yeah. I, I actually like the, uh, the remake of Vanishing Point better just because Viggo Mortensen's in it. <laughs> I've never it was, seen it. Yeah, it, it's not bad. I think it was probably made for TV, like uh, like a you know like a made for TV movie. Mm-hmm. So okay. it doesn't quite have the same quality. I mean, it's yeah. the same car, and it's like similar situations and stuff, which I thought was pretty cool. But it, the 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 driver actually has a better motive than oh, I'm stoned and running away from the cops. There's actually like <laughs> you know something to it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, which I thought was cool, but uh, yeah, no, I liked the too that he he brought in the the Charger versus the Challenger in this. Yeah, 
for this movie because that's one of those big debates. So which one's cooler? They're both fucking cool. It doesn't matter. Very cool, yeah. <laughs> I still have to go with the with the charger on this one. I don't know. Maybe it's just because it's Kurt Russell's car. I kind I kind of dig his more. Was that a ch- general? Was that a, a charger? Hazard. I thought it had a yeah. um, Chevy logo on the front. It was a '69 Chevy Charger or Dodge Charger. Whatever. I was say Dodge makes Charger. Yeah, '69 Charger. Yeah, that doesn't. It's a charger. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Um, I love how at the end of it, just how nonchalant Zoe is about the whole thing after the fact. Um, she just jumps up. I'm okay. And <laughs> that was just hilarious. <laughs> and um, yes. and then they're just so instantly ready to turn the tables on him. I mean, I just love that. Uh, and like you said, the, immediately what came to mind is it's like a rape and revenge film without the rape. You know, it's just a revenge film, basically. Um, but it kind of feels more than just a revenge film. It has they were provoked. You know, it's something that we've seen on screen that is directly resulting in them turning the tables on him. Um, and I just think that the chase that they have with him is incredible. The final shot with the three girls arms in the air as he hits the ground with the, <laughs> the end freeze. I mean, just incredible stuff. Um, oh, the scene where he turns into a blathering baby. <laughs> I just love. Yeah. He's no longer in power. He's no longer in control of his, uh, of the scenario. Right. And he just whimpers and just, you know, cries for his mom. <laughs> I fucking love that. <laughs> I think it's, it's just so funny. And I'm like, and it's Kurt Russell. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I-, I love that scene. Absolutely. It's, it's just a great film. I absolutely love it. Um, so kind of wrapping up, wrapping up thoughts here. I mean, it, it's just so fun to watch. Um, it seems lesser in terms of story compared to his other films, um, but it's just so so much fun to watch that I, I don't care. Uh, it's definitely a film that you can watch over and over again, I think, you know, um, without it being boring. Um, I love Kurt Russell and I think he's so great and all the girls do such a wonderful job. Um, so I give uh, Death Proof three and a half out of four stars. Loved it a lot. What about you, Ash? What are your final thoughts on Death Proof? Uh, I actually like this a lot more watching it the second time. Even the, I mean, the last time I watched it was almost nine years ago. Okay. So it's been a while, yeah. you know. Uh, well, maybe it was eight years ago because did it hit DVD in 2008? I don't remember. I think, no, no, because, yeah, mine, yeah, I, okay, no, it was 07. So, yeah, um, um, but, uh, yeah, I, I liked it better watching it the second time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I had a lot of different expectations when I watched it the first time, which is probably why I haven't watched it since. Um, but watching it now, like um, the first half of the movie doesn't feel like Tarantino much. The second half definitely does. Mm-hmm. Uh, the dialogue is just wittier, snappier. You know, it, it flows better. Um, right. But I think the conversations both have that Tarantino flair to them, you know, the big conversations with the groups, but, uh, yeah, I, um, but no, I liked it. Um, I don't know that it's, it's not my favorite of this, but mm-hmm. uh, I'll, I'll give it three out, of, three out of four. Three out of four. Okay. Excellent. What about you, Mark? What are your final thoughts on death proof? Um, I think from start to finish, it's a fantastic movie. It starts off slow and it builds to crescendo. And then when you get your money shot mm-hmm. with the car accident, it makes the first 30 minutes of just talking worth it. Right. It's like you get to know these characters and in a split second, boom, they're dead. <laughs> um, so it's jarring, you know? And then, so to me, it's almost like two films as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've got, you've got the, the accident in the first scene and then the second scene is a revenge film. 
Um, so I dig it a lot. And what else like a lot that I didn't know while wa- watching some of the special features on the release I have is that Tarantino used all these old school stunt drivers for the stunt scenes. Mm-hmm. And Tracy Tom's character in the second half, she's the one driving uh, yeah. uh, the, the girl's vehicle. Um, they had two stunt drivers, one a veteran female stunt driver, and he wanted to um, give an education to fem- uh, black female stunt drivers since there are very few in the business. Okay. So he had actually hired uh, an apprentice to do some scenes in the film. Um, so he actually, you know, uh, instead of just hiring, um, you know, one person to do all the stunts, he actually made sure that it was a a, a black female stunt driver that hasn't had many credits yet. And okay. once they give her that credit, so then, you know, you do this film, you can do whatever you want after. Right. So I really That's like awesome. that. I, th- I give him kudos for giving others the opportunity to hone their craft on set, mm-hmm. you know, and to learn from all these great stunt drivers. I thought it was really cool. Um, and something I didn't know, the crash at the end when, uh, oh. you know, they're driving down the, uh, it's like the forked road where the girls have the high ground and he's got the low ground. Yeah. And then they kind of, they kind of meet up and. Yep. A bit of a pit maneuver, and then he he tumbles and crashes. Mm-hmm. Apparently, that crash had never been done before on on as uh, on film. Oh wow! So that was the first time anybody had ever attempted attempted that. Pardon me, attempted that scratch before. Uh, that scratch that <laughs> crash before. Um, I'm sorry, I'm getting all stuffed up again here. No, you're um, fine. Yeah, so I thought that was really cool. It was a cool end, you know, before they 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 kill him. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, long story short, love the film. Um, Still don't think that the music was as iconic as other movies. Mm-hmm. But then again, the, the movie audience didn't really like this film as much as his other work. So I, I can understand why it might not get uh, as much um, talk as his other movies. But I dug it. I give this one four stars. Four stars. Excellent. Oh, yeah. Okay. So where does this rank then? In your film, in in the order here. So just to recap what you gave me last time, Pulp Fiction, Kill Bill Volume 2, Kill Bill Volume 1, Reservoir Dogs, and Jackie Brown. So where would you fit uh, Death Proof in that order of things? I would put it uh, second after Pulp Fiction. Wow, okay. I liked it more. I've seen uh, Death Proof more than I have Kill Bill. Wow. Yeah, I like it more. Okay, excellent, good. And what about you, Ash? So what you gave me, you had Pulp Fiction. This is from Best to Worst. Re- uh, Pulp Fiction, Reservoir Dogs, Kill Bill Volume 1, Kill Bill Volume 2, and then Jackie Brown. Where would Death Proof fit in this order of things? Oh, um, honestly, I think I would put this behind Jackie Brown. Okay, so um, at the bottom. Yeah, okay. I. it's just, it's not one of my favorites. I do, I, I like the film. It's mm-hmm. just, it's not... I think if I had to choose between the two, I would probably honestly put in Jackie Brown before Death Proof. Okay. But it would depend on my mood. Right. It would depend on my mood. Yeah, exactly. If I want – yeah, and if and if my wife's here because if she's here, it's probably going to be Jackie Brown. Before <laughs> <Death> Proof, <so>. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, so for me, I had um, Pulp Fiction, Kill Bill Volume 1, Jackie Brown, Wizard Dogs, Kill Bill Volume 2, and I'm going to stick to uh, Death Proof in between Jackie Brown and Reservoir Dogs, so it'll be – Pulp Fiction, Kill Bill Volume 1, Jackie Brown, Death Proof, Reservoir Dogs, Kill Bill Volume 2. That's where that guy's going. And so now we are back on track. So 
Excellent. That is Death Proof. And so we will move on to his next film next week. But before we do that, let's jump over to um, get acquainted with Black Mirror again. Um, So this is Black Mirror Season 2, Episode 1. And this episode is entitled Be Right Back, directed by Owen Harris and written by actually the creator of Black Mirror. His name is Charlie Booker. So a real quick synopsis. And again, there will be spoilers for this episode. Um, Martha's partner, Ash, is killed, and Martha decides to use new technology that she learns about to try and communicate with him in the only way a series like Black Mirror would allow. So that's what we're dealing with here. Now, this episode, I thought, was very, very interesting for uh, a couple different reasons, I guess. Um, And I think, as far as I can recall... And and I really like this about it. This is one of the first times that we've actually seen the the quote unquote before of the story being told in this series. Um, it's unusual, but I really liked it. Normally, we kind of jump in in the middle. Something has already happened. A big change has already occurred. But here we're we're at the beginning, um, and I like that about it. Yeah, it's, well, you know, it's a new season. Maybe it's a new direction that they were taking. Mm-hmm. Um, I it's it's kind of nice that this one wasn't really overburdened with you know a, a future tech universe right you know like it, it was it's not in your face mm-hmm. like some of the other episodes were um so yep. yeah I, I i can see where you're coming from uh it's uh you know it, it seems like it could be present day yeah the tech that's there i feel like maybe it's a few years down the road five years down the road mac you know what i mean like the the different yeah the small things that they're doing i feel like are things that we could see very soon um so i mm-hmm. thought that was that's an interesting point as well um, Ash, what were your, um, initial thoughts about, about this episode? Um, I actually, this is probably actually my favorite episode of Black Mirror so far. Yeah. Okay. Um, it, it cause the entire time I was sitting there thinking about, um, my wife and I, mm-hmm. and you know, if we had the option to do this, would we, and right. we have just as much of an online press between the two of us mm-hmm. as Ash did. So it, I could easily see either one of us doing this, yeah. like kind of getting lost in this. Um, but we both thought we would be. Oh, well, we'll, we'll talk more about the rest of it later. Yeah, but, absolutely. Uh, yeah, no, it like just it. I it just completely resonated with you know thoughts on that and everything. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, and I think that's. I think this was one. I think this was probably my favorite one as well. And I think the reason is because it just like resonated so much, you know, personally, um, what, what I do, um, I was very, it was a very sad episode, um, a lot of the time. Um, and so I think that's a, definitely a a selling point for me in this episode was just how, what would I do given the situation? One moment I really loved was, and I thought just so different from anything I've really ever seen in, in film or TV in this case, I guess, but the, Cops come to the door, knock on the door. She opens it, looks at them for like two seconds, and then just shuts the door and walks away because she knows what they're going to tell her. She doesn't want to hear it. She just knows. I thought that was Mm -hmm. just such an honest, genuine reaction for this character. Uh, I thought it was wonderful. Something, like I said, I've just never seen really. Yeah, I I find this episode was the most human episode of all their episodes so far. Mm -hmm. Um, It more dealt on human emotion and puts you more into the boots or into the shoes of these characters, unlike other episodes where, uh, yeah, 
I found the other episodes were kind of mean and spiteful, mm-hmm. and this one is a lot more tender and caring. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I don't know where I was going with that. No, that's <laughs> perfectly <laughs> summed yeah, up. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was. It's it's the most hum, humanistic uh, episode so far, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, it was very touching. I, uh, I, I, I'll admit, I'm a bit of a weeper. You give me awakenings, <laughs> that movie with Robin Williams, and I'll blubber like a baby on the couch. <laughs> oh, me too, absolutely. Not not like something Mike blubber, but you right, know, uh, more um, a cuter, uh, more handsome with a beard blubber. You know, <laughs> I don't know why you're laughing. <laughs> uh, it's not funny. <laughs> oh man. Um, I thought the lady. Oh, says it's funny. Sorry, too bad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the lady that was trying to force this technology down her throat. I, what a! I mean, I understand, it, and I think yeah. it was the limitations of the time that was allotted to make this story full. Um, but mm-hmm. what a! Just such a shitty way to handle a situation. Um, yeah, who well, it, it is shitty, but I, I know people, and my wife know people who would absolutely do that. Really? Oh God. Yep. Man, <laughs> I don't want to know those people. <laughs> yeah, we actually, actually, yeah, no, wait, yeah, we had a coworker. One of my coworkers did that at my wife's grandmother's funeral. Oh, jeez. Did, did something like that. Instead of just letting it go, right? she had to get her two fucking cents in. Yeah. God, so. that's sickening. Yeah, they were both like, it's both, she just wanted space and they're both like, oh, no, we know what you need. And it's mm-hmm. like, no, get the fuck away. Right. Anyway, in a way, I can kind of understand that side of things. Because, you know, when you go see a really cool film that nobody else has seen yet, and, like, you know, you tell someone about it, and then, like, okay, I'll check it out sometime. And then you talk to them next time, have you seen it yet? Have you seen it yet? Have you seen it yet? You know? So, in, in a way, I can kind of see it being in a, a, a parallel think, you know? Yeah. Um, where, like, you know, this like this really helped me. This might help you as well. Just, you know, like, you're at your husband's week mm-hmm. or your boyfriend's week, whatever. Maybe not the time or the place. Maybe it's a little too soon. Right. But I can kind of understand her motivation wanting to help her friend out. Um, but yeah, I thought too it was kind of invasive the way she did it. Yeah, absolutely. Once they started revealing what this technology was, I mean, I just thought, wow, this is such a brilliant use of technology. And and if this was real, I just I feel like it could work. I feel like this is something that could be that could happen. Um, it's just a mm-hmm. really smart idea. I feel like, you know, it's definitely some, a bit morbid, but it's also very just intelligent idea and something that could work. Um, and I, I don't, it's just a, such a different feeling episode to me. Um, the, um, and then I love, the, I, I'll touch on that again toward, toward the end of my final thoughts on this, but um, just the evolution just seems like the, the phone call by using all like the video that's available. It just seems like the next obvious step in the evolution of this product that somebody has designed. It seems so um, plausible, I guess is the word. Yeah. You know, it's like, let's say, you know, you're, you're with someone and then, you know, you break up mm-hmm. and then once you're no longer with that person, you realize what a mistake you've had. Right. And you just want that person back. Mm-hmm. Well, so, you know, like, well, I know I've gone through it. Um, so let's say that technology was available to me. Mm-hmm. I that I, that's something I'd probably be receptive to to get over right. it in a better way. You yeah. Know? So I can yeah I can understand how uh, uh, Martha uh, you know eventually succumbs to the uh, to the program and mm-hmm. just you know at the same time stunts her emotional growth 
by not moving past her husband's death. But right. Still copes with her because of the fact that, you know, she is pregnant with her, his child, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like a, a diary in a way that she can talk back to. Yeah. And I, I mean, I feel like I feel the same way. Like th- I feel like this is a technology that I would use given this situation. Um, mm-hmm. And then in, in black mirror fashion, it kind of feels like it goes one step further with the introduction of something that just doesn't is, is not really plausible, at least in any technology that I've read about or know about in my small yeah, I brain. Wasn't, um, I wasn't expecting that twist. Right. Yeah. But at the same time, I find this is the first black mirror episode where there isn't a dark twist. Right. You know, I, like, I don't like, think this was like an evil of technology. This, this yep. didn't, ha- I didn't have that feel to this, to this episode. It's exactly what I wrote. Yeah. It's, it's, I feel like this episode is not about the evil technology. It's kind of, and it's not the dark side of technology, and it is not the dark side of the human in this situation. It's just kind of the naive side of the human um, that we get, and uh, it's so that is kind of why this episode feels so different than what we've seen uh, previously. But yeah. um, it's like you know, would I use an app to mimic a dead loved one or like a dead lover or whatnot? Maybe. Now knowing, oh my God, I can get a sex robot. Uh, yeah, sign <laughs> me up. A, yeah, exactly. That's, you know? a, <laughs> that's yeah. like one of my well, last things I wrote down. It was just the world's most expensive sex sex toy. Yeah, well, can I start giving payments now? So like, you know, by the time <laughs> something happens, I can go right away. Perhaps. You know? I could, you're thinking, I like that. Oh, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So... What bugged me about this, and it's not a negative, it's just something that kept making me frustrated, was that she wasn't getting it, quote unquote, getting it. You know, she just, obviously, this is a really interesting idea, but there's going to be limitations Mm -hmm. that she needs to realize. And I was just getting frustrated by the fact that she wasn't understanding those limitations. Um, Like, it wasn't her dead husband. Exactly. It's a shell. Right. Well, yeah, she was grieving, not griefing. Oh, my God. (laughs) <laughs> yeah so yeah she was kind of broken so yeah yeah exactly and that's why i this ending it was so interesting i mean i it's hard to kind of wrap my head around what what's the meaning what's the message there i don't know um but i mean just keeping him in the attic and and her, her daughter knows about him like does she know exactly what he is I feel like she has to know a little bit because she says that she brought two pieces of cake, but that was just a ploy to get me a second piece. And he goes, oh, how devious or something along those lines. Like, ah, just, I want to know more. And I feel like this I get that is like it, time. It's like it's a future version of, you know, those dear, you know, Michael Keaton made a movie about, uh, you know, him dying of cancer. And then uh, he was filming, you know, a year of his life for his dead, for his child. Okay. Because he'll be dead before the child gets born. Yeah. Well, this is just like a, like an upgraded version of that where, you know, your father's dead, but here's an avatar replica of him. Right. So you can still converse with your father, but he's not your father. Mm-hmm. You know, this is where you came from. This is a, a slice of his personality, yeah. but just be sure this is, this is not him. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if that's you know, how she presented it. You know, that's why I just, I want to know more. I want to know why she only sees him on the weekends. Yeah. It's like that. Like, it's just strange. Well, maybe not to be attached, you know, like yeah. this is not your dad. This is like, your, right. you know, you can call him your uncle if you want or, you know. It's probably, um, probably the same reason um, 
she's got them locked up there so that you know they don't get lost in it like she was yeah yeah it's true yeah and what i like about the short story format of the series Mm -hmm. is that you know it ends and it grips you where you want to know more exactly you know so so I, i thought it ended beautifully mm mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um yeah, my my kind of my my final thoughts, you know, I love the episode. It was sad, it was creepy and usually at the same time, it was understated but it it still had an impact on me. Um it's just a perfect yeah. example of taking technology maybe that step too far. But I think it like I said it showed the naivete of the human side of this story as opposed to the quote-unquote dark side of technology that the show talks about usually um yeah. you know sure this the sex was great sure the sex was great but in the end the only way that the doll was really able to fulfill her was with the sex so it just became the world's most expensive sex doll but mm-hmm which I'll gladly pay for. Not right. that version, obviously. <laughs> it's not the right model. But, you know. Exactly. But what am I going to do with this? You don't, you don't want the Doom uh, the, uh, Gleason model? <laughs> well, you know, if, if I need to bake a cake and I don't have a mixer, I guess I could use them. But uh, apart from that, as a sex bot, I don't have much suit for him. And he doesn't even shoot bullets out of his nipples. So whatever. <laughs> What's the point, really? Seriously, Oh, no. God. So, Ash, what are your final thoughts on this episode of Black Mirror? Uh, I loved it. Um, I think it, it. I'm not sure. I know several of the episodes have been optioned for feature film development. I would actually yeah. love to see this one get that same same hmm. treatment. Yeah. Um, just so we can see more of it uh, and and get to know that that portion of it a little bit. Hmm. But uh, no, I I thought it was really well done. Excellent. I didn't give it a star rating. This one, I, I would have to give three and a half out of four. Um, what about you, Ash? Uh, I'd give it a four. Okay. And what about you, Mark? What are your final thoughts on Be Right Back? Uh, pretty much the same thing. I love this episode. Um, I thought the cast was awesome. I'm a big fan of Dumnall Gleason and his father as well. Um, like he, he seems to be in almost everything right now. He's like the it guy, hmm. uh, but he's such a good actor. You know, uh, like he's good. You know, he was awesome in Star Wars Episode Seven. He's awesome in Frank, that indie film with Michael Fassbender. Hmm. Um, he's great here. Uh, Haley Atwell. I still have not seen any episodes of uh, Agent Carter, which breaks my heart. For some reason, <laughs> I can't get the DVDs or the Blu-rays in Canada without paying through the nose. Um, so, you know, I, I seeing her cast in this, I'm like, oh, awesome, because I think she's a great actress. Um, yeah, I yeah, I, face, but I couldn't, I didn't place what she was in, but yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. She, she's agent Carter. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I give this movie a total uh, of me this episode four out of four stars by far my favorite one. Excellent. Very good. Yeah. That was, um, I hope, I hope the rest of the season is as solid as this was. So mm-hmm. great. All right. So I guess that wraps up our episode for today. Thank you gentlemen for joining me tonight. It was fun as it always is. Yeah, thank you for having me. Definitely. All right. So episode 43, what's our next film? I guess it would be uh, Inglorious Bastards. Inglorious Bastards. Bastards. Yeah. Yeah. I am excited to talk about. That's a long one. So <laughs> the podcast yeah. will likely be long as well, but that's fine. That's probably one of the QT movies I've watched the most. Okay. Very yeah. good. Um, actually, second least. I've only watched that one twice. Hmm. So interesting. I've watched it once. So 
And we'll also be reviewing Black Mirror Season 2, Episode 2, which I read the description. It looks like it might be a weird one, but uh, we'll talk about that, I guess, next time. Um, make sure you check out the website. I put an unboxing video up of the latest horror pack. So that was the March horror pack, which I thought was a better horror pack than February's horror pack. Um, I can't. I got Flatliners, um, The Messengers. Oh, and I'm going to... Oh, Zombie Diaries 2 and a fourth one. Oh, Obsession with um, Buffy. Ooh. The Vampire Slayer. What the fuck's her name? I'm drawing a blank. Sarah Michelle Kelly. Sarah Kelly. Thank yeah. you. God. Ridiculous. But yeah, so I thought it was a, I thought it was a pretty good pack this month. So I'm uh, sticking around for another month and see what's going to happen. Um, I've been kind of compiling ideas on YouTube videos that I want to do. Um, it's just a matter of having time to watch films and then, you know, discuss them on that format. So I have a couple ideas that I um, am interested in doing, and I gotta try to pick one and run with it. Uh, probably one over the other because it's a lot uh, more difficult to find everything I want for the second option. So, yeah, that's as cryptic as it gets, I guess. But look for more YouTube videos in the future because that's when I'm excited to uh, start up. So definitely check that out. Ash, I just realized uh, earlier that I forgot to put up your Star Trek Essentials article on Monday and I apologize for that. So we'll just skip this week and move on to next week. We will have that back. Okay. But make sure you guys check out the back issues that are up on the website right now. Uh, always a great read. So make sure you check those out if you are interested in Star Trek at all. Right now he's going through Star Trek, the original series. So definitely check that out. Chris went to go see Batman versus Superman tonight. So hopefully we will have a review on that on the website in the coming days here. So make sure you check out for that. Otherwise, just look for the podcast, which we will be back next week as long as everything goes well, which my wife got a car. She got the Honda Civic. Hey. And so that part of my life is done. So now I can focus on this again, which is always a good thing. I hate coming home and then having to leave right away to go car shopping. Yeah. I hate that. And so I'm just glad that's done. So now we're moving on. But well, on on the Honda Civic, what color is the neon lights under the uh, under the <laughs> frame of the car? Did you go blue? Did you go fuchsia? <laughs> well, it's a dark gray car, so she's still debating on what she wants to put under there. <laughs> Nothing. Uh, she can do not. anything. <laughs> exactly. Everything goes with pewter. <laughs> lift, kit, lift, kit. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a lease, so no money's going into that guy. But. <laughs> Yeah. So, all right. So, yes, we will continue next week with our Tarantino Thon with a review of Inglorious Bastards and Black Mirror Season 2, Episode 2. So, make sure you tune in for that next week. And thank you guys again for being here tonight. I had a lot of fun. And I want to thank everybody for listening. And we will catch you next time. Yeah.